Hey there, welcome to the show. Wow, can you believe how fast this year's gone by? You know, it's interesting because as we reflect back on 2022, I keep thinking to myself, you know, what is the best way for us to kind of do a recap and get everybody involved? And you know, that that really prompts me to bring in my real estate talk triangle. And I have to thank my, my panels uh, this year for sure. Uh, Tim Sirianos, he is the broker owner of Remax Ultimate, former president of the Toronto Real Estate Board, also a former director at the Canadian Real Estate Association and Dave Butler, the broker owner of BM Select. And, you know, I got to tell you, it's been a great year. They've been joining me every single month, keeping everybody up to date. You know, as much as we try to make predictions and make things happen, um, you know, it's a, it's a really, really weird market. I got to tell you, it's one of those years that it's hard to predict, but, we, you know, we're kind of hoping that 2023 might settle down. So I'm going to be bringing them in in a minute, but I do want to talk to you about our up and coming seminar on February the 2nd. That's a Thursday at 7 p.m. And it is our simple seminar webinar, and it is dedicated to first responders. And, and a lot of people have been reaching out, and, and I want to thank all of you that are getting excited about this, because we're really excited about the idea that we're going to be able to help first responders, you know, kind of secure your future. I think it's so important that we realize how much you've done for us, and maybe we can turn this around and do something for you. So what's going to happen is you're going to have the ability of buying an investment uh, property, real estate, with only 10% down in our special release to you. So it's going to make it a little bit easier for uh, ownership of an investment property. And again, you've got to join us either for the seminar or webinar. You can go to thesimpleinvestor.com and uh, we're really, really excited about this. It's, uh, it's the first time we've ever done anything like this, but definitely uh, it's well-deserved to our first responders, especially over the last few years, everything you've done for all of us. So maybe just as a little thank you, uh, make sure you join us. And uh, so without any further ado, I want to bring in my panel. Tim and Dave, guys, hey, here we are. It's the end of the year. Tim? Can't believe the whole year's gone by so quickly. It's like a blur. <laughs> what what a year it was. <laughs> Holy moly. Well, Dave, you know, just, uh, you know, we're, we're, we'll share a little, but, you know, new dad and all. I mean, what a year for you. Yeah, yeah. New dad, uh, Bank of Canada, didn't do us any favors. And yeah, it's... Uh, Feels like it was a tornado this year for sure. So, but fun. This is like a fun tornado. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, and you know, one of the things, of course, launching um, the uh, the simple podcast here out of our new head office. It's been great having you guys join us. I know sometimes uh, you have to log in, but other than that, it's great having you here in person to finish out the year. And uh, Tim, you know, as Dave said, you know, it's uh, it's been a real wonky year. I got to tell you, looking at this year, you know, you and I made some pretty bold predictions last year. Uh, we don't have to quote numbers but neither of us were right um you know at the end of the show folks you know i'm gonna ask both dave and tim to throw it out there for us give us an idea about what uh what they think is going to happen uh next year but tim you know just as a kind of a recap you know you and i thought that we were not going to get blindsided by the bank of canada nearly as much and it really did have that effect on the market well it sure did i mean who would have thought that uh after reading reports you know month after month after month that it's going to take two plus years before interest rates start to increase. And when they do, you know, have confidence, it will be in a slow interval, you know, kind of way. And quite the opposite happened. I mean, it just seemed like uh, we just decided to go into an airplane and put on a parachute and just jump, right? And and uh, really overshoot. And, and literally, who would have thought that we'd have uh, four, you know, percent higher rates than we did just, you know, nine or 10 months ago. 
So this is something that nobody could have expected. Um, it definitely impacted the market. It really made me dive deep and look at the numbers of uh, even our earlier prediction, Todd. Um, I did review them and I thought, okay, I'm driving into a hot seat here. Um, <laughs> but in all fairness, quite a, quite a few of the things we said were quite accurate. Uh, I'm going to say that we were um, anticipating some government intervention, vacancy taxes. Uh, we were anticipating that, you know, you did say that there's going to be at least one increase earlier and, and a little bit faster. So uh, I feel quite, you know, good about the predictions we made aside from the overall transactions that we had. Yeah. So with that said, I'm not going to go to a racetrack and anything you and I think is going to win, Tim, I'm not going to bet on. No way. But, uh, you know, and that's, that's the thing, you know, and, and, and just for everybody's clarity, you know, one of the things that we do here on the show is we try to clarify a lot of headlines, but more or less also break down what happens in a market. And a market like this is unpredictable. And for those of you that hopped into the market, Dave, I'll, I'll go to you on this. A lot of speculation, you know, and, and unfortunately you get a little bit of that run up everybody thinks you know you know uh, real estate's bulletproof i believe it's bulletproof but not for short-term thinking yeah we call them fast money right so at, at our at our firm we we call the speculators and the you know some of these you know get in and get out quick people we call them that that's fast money i mean um, they're you know not necessarily fitting the mold of a long-term real estate investor um and to be fair when there are generally changes or unexpected changes to a market it's going to be fast money that is either going to take advantage of it or be at the disadvantage of it so um yeah no i think speculators are definitely i mean we've talked to a couple of them and you know if you're in that condo game trying to buy and flip quick um you're, you're in a bit of a mess right now and uh Certainly, I would say uh, that the we, we haven't seen any, I mean, lately, I don't know about you, Tim, I don't know about, about Utah, but I haven't seen many people coming in looking for those, hey, I'm going to come in and quick, you know, fix this thing up really quick and sell it because the reality is selling something quick isn't even going to happen. Right? Well, it's interesting. Every single time that um, the interest rates have not increased for a period of time, there seems to be uh, people climatized to the new environment. We, we've been seeing a percolation in the marketplace. Uh, it's been happening regularly. And then once the interest rate, you know, pops up again, boom everything just goes silent again it takes a little bit of time and the same thing's been going on now for for several months actually um it's not as bad out there as people you know think it is um i have a you know a number that i've been studying quite clearly that 50 percent of all homes are selling for asking price or just above now obviously those asking prices are not february prices um, but nevertheless, if they are a move-in ready property and if they're a good property and they're not investors, they're not speculators, that's the, you know, they could be investors, but they're not speculators. There is a big difference between the two. Um, you know, there, there is movement in the marketplace. Yeah. And I'm glad you clarified that, Tim, because, you know, a lot of people have to remember that, and, and, and it seems like landlords or real estate investors became a bad word in 2022. You know, Dave, this is this is one of the things. We saw a lot of headlines come out where people were talking about greedy landlords or people that are just trying to make a quick buck. And, you know, here's the thing. The government trying to announce that they're going to like throw in a ton of inventory, which is impossible. They need the private investor to help out. And that's, you know, purchasing the condos, those individual condos. We need those in the rental market. And there's only one way that's going to happen. And that's that private investor. But it almost sounds like a dirty word now when somebody, you know, I, I hear it like every once in a while, it's sort of like, oh, you just do this because you make money. No, no. There's a lot more to why you should be a landlord. Well, yeah. I mean, in, in I say investing in real estate, but I'm like, 
generally speaking, buying real estate and being an investor in real estate was always thought to be a long-term game. That's why we aren't in the stock market. I mean, we're not looking for fast gains. We're actually looking for more, you know, gradual gains that we think there's not a lot of risk to. Um, and again, that's not why we're not playing in these, you know, higher risk fields. And then of course, as things got crazy, and as we talked about the fast money came in, really real estate investor as, as the term got jumbled in with this other type of investor, I guess, and we'll call it an investor, but the fast money investor. And I think that's why, to your point, we're seeing a lot of people, Oh, you're a real estate investor. Oh, I don't, you know, you're, you're part of the problem. Well, <laughs> um, no, 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 not necessarily. The, a long-term real estate investor is still a very, very, in my opinion, positive position to be in. And you're going, you, and a long-term real estate investor also is willing to accept dips in markets. Whereas short-term money, fast money, they're not looking for dips. Dips can actually put them out of business. And the same thing happened, you know, right now with the government, you know, coming forward and putting a new policy in. They're saying that if you buy a property and if you sell it within a year, you're going to pay a higher tax, right? So yeah. there is movement towards that right they now. Deem, they want to deem an income tax now. And so that way you get hit whatever you're making that year. But you know, there is, there's definitely a need for landlords, period. This is this is one of the things. Tim, you know, Dave, Dave did touch on something that's important. And you know, when we take a look at the real estate market itself, you know, right now there is a huge upward pressure on on rental and we just don't have any vacancies. So they're talking about building more houses faster and they need to build more rentals faster not more say, houses who's gonna build <laughs> well we, we all we, we all three of us here and many of the experts you know not in this room people who are talking about this all the time trying to create new policy are talking about building more houses faster we all know that it's not possible if you don't have trades we've talked about it over and over again we need to look at maybe not building more homes faster but changing it to build more rentals faster right yeah part of it is obviously you know, the, the big, um, uh, you know, which side of the fence you're on when it comes to rent control, right? And because you need to get investors to come in, investors won't come in if there's, you know, their hands are tied and what they can, you know, invest in for renovating a current existing property, for example. Sure. Why would they buy something and invest in it if they can't raise, you know, the rent you know, to reflect what they're doing, right? So there needs to be, uh, I, I think, more emphasis in the coming years ahead, you know, less on building more homes faster and more on building more rentals faster. Right. And so this is probably a perfect time to go to a quick break. But uh, before I do, I have to set the premise for the next next part. So what Tim was saying, of course, is that we need to build more rental. But of course, there's going to be some of you right now that are saying, yeah, but I want to buy my first home. And that since prices have risen out of control, who we then bl blame the real estate investors because they're all buying everything. You know, it's this wicked, wicked cycle. So uh, if you want to uh, learn more about it, you're going to have to uh, stay tuned. We're going to go to a quick break. And um, by the way, if you uh, if you haven't signed up, if you are a first responder and you haven't signed up for our up and coming seminar webinar on February the 2nd at Thursday at 7 p.m. Uh, go to thesimpleinvestor.com. And hey, by the way, don't forget, you can follow me on Instagram, the simple investor one. And I'm going to come back more with my panel, Tim Sirianos, Dave Butler. This is the Real Estate Talk Triangle, and it is our 2022 wrap up. We'll be right back after this.
And welcome back. If you're just tuning in right now, this is the Real Estate Talk Triangle here at Simply Real Estate. And um, my guests, panelists all year long, Dave Butler from PM Select, Tim Serianos, broker owner of Remax Ultimate. Guys, just before the break, you know, we were having that conversation about, you know, reflecting on what's happened throughout the year. Tim, you did make some uh, predictions and Dave was quick to quote because we, we turned around and we pulled the transcript off of what you and I were talking about. Oh, no. <laughs> and, and of course, you know, hey, listen, it's okay. We can weigh in on this one. You did say, and, and everybody agreed, you know, the first six months of the year were going to be pretty crazy. And then we thought maybe the last six months might slow down. You know, you, you couldn't have been more right about that. And even Dave concurred because, you know, on the backside, every, every time a realtor does a sale, then about there's a, that delay. And then about a month or two later, Dave gets busy. Correct. And so do lawyers. Yep. Yep. Lawyers get really busy. Uh, I actually talk to lawyers quite often to find out what's in the pipe. I talk to mortgage brokers like Dave and, uh, you, you know, they get, they provide me great insight. Um, you know, we're in the trenches, you know, doing the transaction in advance of the, you know, it's the line, right? Yep. So we started to see the slowdown, you know, not right away after the first interest rate increase, which we started to see it maybe two or three months after. So the first you know, five, six months were, you know, quite good. Uh, even though the, the, the sales started to slow, they weren't slowing at a pace that concerned. But then when they started just going at three quarters of a percent every time, you know, it was obvious that the government intervention and the policy that changed is going to make a tremendous impact uh, on the market going forward. Yeah. So Dave, you know, one of the things obviously that you are, you come after the sale kind of thing in, in most cases. You know, a lot of people should be talking to you ahead of any kind of purchase, make sure they're pre-approved, you know, stay within their bandwidth. Um, but definitely, you know, your your season went a little bit longer into the year than, than let's say, realtors. Yeah, we're, you know, we usually, as Tim points out, we're, you know, because it's based on deals closing, right, for us, right? So, and I know for you guys, it's based on, or when I was pointing to Tim, but it's based on when you actually make that sale. So when you make that sale to the point that it's closing, there could be as much as, you know, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. So, yeah, we're usually finding it on the back half, but it was funny um, for us, you know, this you couldn't have been more right, Tim, on first six months being the heavy and then back six months and again not not knowing what the government was going to do but the intervention that came in and and to your point as well it was those middle it was those summer ones i mean that first one was what a 0.25 in march and then i think we had a 0.5 in april and then it was the big the 0.75s and the one percents in the summer and i think that really really stopped you guys and that's where we started to see it on our end july and august closing started dipping and traditionally you're not supposed to see that for us on our side we're actually supposed to see july and august on an upward trajectory and it was actually starting to go downward for the first time in 20 years and that was when it kind of hit hit something for me to go okay we got to make some changes here well i will share that you were somewhat of a sandwich you know with a mortgage broker because your pre-approvals you know, and your rate holds is also a statistic that we look at to see how many people are going to be in the market. And part of part of what's happened, you know, so far is, you know, people seem that climatization I talked about at the beginning of the show. Now you're also starting to see people who are out there shopping because they're anticipating another increase. And that's what kind of happened mid-year. People are anticipating that, okay, this is not going to stop here at a quarter point or half point. We might be, you know, going on and on and on. So let's get out there and 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 lock in 
So, you know, we were kind of sandwiched between both your pre-approval rate holds and obviously your closings. Well, and you know, what has been the worst part about that. Sorry to interrupt you. I was going to say is that it for us, it's been awful because every single time there's an increase, you know, normally if it's a 0.25 increase, it's not going to change the pre-approval that much. When they were doing the 0.75s and the 1%, the problem is you've got a pre-approval for a client, rates locked in and everything. You've got their max price. As soon as there's a change now to, to the prime rate, we actually have to requalify them. So believe it or not, that rate hold, even though it's guaranteed for 120 days, is all based on the old qualifications. As soon as the new qualification comes in with the higher stress test rate or the higher rate, that now their maximum pre-approval drops. So we were, I'm sure some of you were getting our newsletters out saying, hey, don't forget there has been an increase contact us if you've been pre-approved lately because we have to find out your new numbers because right now you're out shopping with old numbers that are not good anymore yeah and dave one of the things i think that you probably experience and probably to a certain extent you're maybe a little bit more relieved is the fact that a lot of people pre-february they were running around getting competition and try to figure out can they go fifty thousand over their pre-approval i mean were you getting those panic phone calls saying dave we need another 100k uh yeah it was it was i was gonna say the 50 was the easy phone call we were getting ones where they're going like can i go 250 over my max price wow. but yeah. you know what it, what's what's crazy funny about that though was that so many of those calls we were able to help because the stress test and the rates were so low, obviously. But as soon as that changed, and I think obviously the real estate market has has felt it, is it just it just dropped off a cliff. And the pre-approvals now, I mean, people calling us today saying, hey, can I go to this price? It's like, no, actually, believe it or not, that pre-approval we gave you two months ago, it's actually lower now. Yeah. And and Tim, you must have experienced this because, you know, we did talk about there are still some neighborhoods. You are getting multiple offers. There is still some good product and, and very little product. I mean, you know, right now, historic low in inventory, but more or less, you still have good product and that kind of product will go in a multiple offer because there's more than one buyer for it. But now you also have a lot more people bringing back the conditions. And, you know, this is a conversation I remember having with you a couple of years ago when we started seeing this heated market we don't like that because we want conditions in there we want people taking the care making sure they can afford it but also building conditions you know conditional on inspection those went by the wayside and then of course when people close all of a sudden they say yeah but you know and sorry you missed that you had a chance and you didn't put the condition in so we are seeing more conditions. We've actually started seeing conditional on selling a purchaser's property. Oh, we is, haven't seen that in a few years. Yeah, so some neighborhoods do have that. It's not it's not a lot and you know the biggest challenge with it is as you know that once you sell a property conditional on selling somebody else's property in essence, the majority of buyers don't take that property as being available. They see it that, you know, the buyer who bought it, they have this opportunity um, usually 48 hours to actually firm up. So before they can accept, the seller who sold the property can accept the secondary offer. They have to notify the first buyer and give them those two days to firm up. So when that happens, 90% plus of the time, historically, not, you know, in the hot market, you know, there were never these conditions, um, the buyer would firm up because uh, the closing is quite far out and they feel confident that they'll sell it. So uh, we are starting to see those creep back in, but not the homes that are, as we said before, there's only two and a half months supply. Like people have to understand this is not a five month supply of real estate out there. Two and a half months supply is still a seller's market, you know, in essence, right? It's not a buyer's market. So you got to look at it that, you know, if the home is in the good area, if it's, if it's, you know, really, you know, fixed up and doesn't need anything. And Dave can probably comment on this one, you know, getting secondary financing for renovation is a lot harder. 
So because it's a lot harder, buyers are now shopping for that move-in turnkey property. So because they're they're shopping for, you know, turnkey property and they know it's hard to get financing during this, uh, I don't want to make a prediction, but I will, six months, right? you know, before money starts to flow again. Uh, <laughs> Ian, make a note, six months. Yeah. So, so yeah, we'll get there, right? You'll see, we'll talk about this. Um, we are seeing those, those, uh, those homes still selling multiple offers too. I love the conditions though. I'll be honest with you. I, I don't know about you guys, but it felt during that time there, there was a good six to eight months during that peak where it just felt sloppy. Like the industries all felt like, I mean, on the real estate side, it fell sloppy. On the mortgage side, it fell sloppy. Lawyer side, it fell sloppy because everyone was everyone was pushed to such a brink. Not just the volume, but the 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 the, the craziness of the no offers, and then we're having to get. Oh, I need this approval by twenty four hours. If I don't get, well, you're not getting. It was taking. I've never twenty years. I've been doing this. It was taking sometimes three four weeks to get approvals from banks. That's not. It should be no more than five business days. And in most cases, in in many of the years I've been doing this, I've been able to get approvals in sometimes twenty four to forty eight hours. Mm-hmm. So just the sloppiness, and I think that caused a lot of problems, major issues, people not closing, lawyers scrambling, everything. And I think that combined with the just massive run up, it really made our industries all look a little wonky for a while. Well, you know, and part of my comment narrative will always be um, is the fact that a lot of people were working from home. There's not, wasn't the same urgency. You didn't get the same care. I mean, I know for a fact, reaching out to, you know, not BM Select, of course, they were always on top of the files, but when we would reach out to, uh, you know, certain lenders, certain lawyers, it would take 24 hours for a response to the most basic question. And that in itself starts grinding an industry, you know, to a halt. And so, you know, efficiencies are going to be very, very important, especially as we look into the potential of a recovery in 2023. So folks, we're going to go to a quick break, but when I come back, I'm going to have more with our Real Estate Talk Triangle with Tim Sirianos and Dave Butler. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, we call this part of the show, the Real Estate Talk Triangle every single month. Uh, I have my panelists join me, uh, Tim Sirianos. He is the broker owner of Remax Ultimate, also former president of the Toronto Real Estate Board, also a former director at the Canadian Real Estate Association. And I've got Dave Butler, and he is the broker owner of BM Select and voted in second grade to probably not complete grade three. So <laughs> Dave, sorry, I was looking for an extra tag for you, you know, and, and I could probably go a lot deeper. Uh, yeah, definitely, by the way, broker, broker of the year, actually, uh, mortgage broker of the year. So, you know, uh, big, big, you know, history with with mortgages. And guys, just before the break, of course, we were talking about, you know, offers. And now we go into conditional periods. Dave, it was like the Wild West there for a little while to the point where, you know, you almost wondered what was going to happen if interest rates didn't start to go up. And, you know, we've talked about this in the past and government intervention is never good in a marketplace. And I think we were actually, when we think about February, and I know you and I had this conversation, we almost felt like we were already coming over the cusp of the craziness. We, you know, you could feel it. I think people finally were giving up on the market to a certain extent, or we exhausted all those buyers that were there. Like, I think all the pent up demand was actually getting fulfilled. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's, it's, you go back, you look kind of even, you know, aching it to stock markets. I mean, I think we had some buyer exhaustion. I think just, you know, everything that had led up to that point, I think, you know what too, it was buyer exhaustion and then industry exhaustion. I mean, we, we got to remember we were two years strong with no real seasonality. 
to this business, right? I mean, we were always able to have that December, January, February time off. And I think that was also in a weird way, good for buyers and sellers. You know, it really did feel like we were two years nonstop. And I think a lot of people were getting exhausted. I know for us, and I, I'm, I'm sure for some of your real estate agents, Tim, um, it was, there was a breaking point hit many, many, many times. And you had to kind of push through it, continue to push through it. But running the business was completely different then than running it today. And I'll be honest, I prefer to run it today. I don't necessarily love the volume today, but I prefer the way in which it's being run now. I feel it's healthier. Now we just have to now get more of a balanced market because I think right now we're probably on the lows, right? So yeah, what do you think, Tim? Well, I think that we, we're definitely, uh, as I said, supply is still a challenge, whether you're in the rental market, the condo market, or the freehold market, we're still, you know, in a, in a challenging time with supply. And we will be, you know, that way because, you know, I believe that buyers and sellers is like, you know, being at sunset and, you know, who's in a draw first, right? Like it's the, the old corral right now and, and sellers aren't participating. They're saying, I'm not going to be part of this market you know, right now I don't have to sell. I'm going to hold off. They're hoping for a stronger spring market. Um, uh, you know, the good news about that is if more people do wait, the bad news right now is the supply is low. The good news is that if there's a rush of supply, all of a sudden that will not allow prices to, you know, kind of grow too quickly and put us in the same position. Uh, at the same time, we are in a different interest rate environment. Uh, I don't believe that people are getting the free money that they used to get before. And, and it's not going to drive up prices, you know, anybody and everybody trying to buy real estate right now will be people who will be more end users or who treat real estate as investors, as a business, meaning they're infill, they're going to start building their triplexes or, you know, the three, you know, three apartments missing middle that we've, you know, all been talking about that's actually started happening. Right. So um, that's what I see, you know, happening right now and going into the new year. May I share? Go ahead. All right. So, <laughs> um, you know, I do believe and I won't step on Dave's toes. I do believe there'll be rate wars. Um, I know factually there's already letters being sent out to a lot of people renewing, uh, being offered, you know, a lower rate than what's posted. Uh, I'm sure Dave will comment on that. But, I, you know, I don't believe interest rates are going to come back down in 2023. You know, I really do believe in my heart that the first ball to drop or should have dropped would be uh, something like the amortizations being extended or the stress test being revisited by maybe adjusting it to 1%, not two. And that will be a sign, in my opinion, right. that uh, that's an interest rate drop in essence, even though right. it's not, right? So that's gonna provide confidence to the consumer that yes, we're not gonna be at 9% or 10%. We're, we probably hit that, that you know, ceiling for interest rates, which will start to normalize the market and then we'll have real buyers and sellers in the marketplace. So I wanted to comment on that part right there. Right, so I'm gonna throw on my, my time machine and I'm gonna take you back to 2008. And as Dave and I have had this conversation, and Dave, I don't know if you're going to agree with me here. You know, obviously the bond market is is going to be a, have a big influence on the fixed mortgages, but to my point would be uh, Jim Flaherty, 2008, BMO dropping the rate, dropping their pants below three percent for the first time, and everybody losing their mind. Then him grabbing them by the pants, pulling them back up, saying, "No, no, can't do it." And then, of course, HSBC comes in and does the same thing. So then all of a sudden, everybody starts saying, wait a minute, if they can do it, then we can do it. And I think that, Tim, I don't disagree with the with the idea that you know we're going to see some other measures come into play. But I think there is going to be 
a competitor's market for mortgages for the spring because right now the lenders are feeling the squeeze. You know, you and I both know numbers are going to be really low this year. I agree. And they are banking. They need they need new mortgages. And Dave, I don't know if you agree wholeheartedly with this, but I think that the spring market, I think that March potentially is where we start seeing the the discounts coming from the lenders themselves to entice people back into the market. Yeah, look, the the setup for what you're talking about is there. Like there's no question. And what we're talking about with with respect to that is that we think there's, you know, we think there's a possibility of that spring kind of come in, someone's going to come in with the lower rate. Yeah, the setup's there because if you keep your eye on the bond yields and this is something, I mean, again, I'm a bit of a nerd with this stuff, but I study it like crazy. Traditionally, say you take the 5-year bond yield, the normal five-year fixed rate that banks should be offering is going to be roughly about one and a half percent above whatever that yield is. Um, today, the today, well, this Friday, the yield closed just around 2.9% on the five-year. So if you add 1.5 to that, you should be at about four and a half, four point four percent 4.4% on a five-year fixed. We're not even close to that. I think most banks are, big five banks are at five and a half, even I've seen some higher stuff. Um, so why I say the setup is there is because right now the Bank of Canada is moving in the opposite direction as the yields. And this has actually been going on since about, you know, we're, we're seeing same levels that we've seen in May and then in August. And that's actually very key to think about. Back in May, we're at the same levels of the bond yield that we were back in May and the rates in May were around four and a half percent. So it's something that I'm looking at, but the setup is there because if we keep seeing some bond yield movement to the downside, we could get into what I think and what I think really what you and I are getting at is I think there's that 399. I think that's going to be that's the, the thing. number. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I think. And if you can get that and again, everything's tied to the bonds and CPI and Bank of Canada. So there's a lot of stuff going on, but the setup is there. And that's what I like. I like to see that the, the, the wheels are in motion for that to happen. And that's going to provide a lot of relief because, look, there's going to be people that are going to be in variables because what's prime rate today? 6.45%. Mm -hmm. Most people in variables are sitting at five and a half, maybe 6%. If you're in a situation when you're in a variable and you can actually lock in and save your family money immediately to a 399, I think that there's going to be a lot of people making those moves, but we got to see what happens. So then the question comes, Dave, is do you lock in for a year, 18, 24? Come on, no, the mortgage specialist. We need some help here. Well, Which what number is it that you lock in for? Well, here's the thing. And this is, this is, this is one where you really got to speak to your bank or your broker, because the reality is this, when you're locking in, it's actually based on how much time you have left on the mortgage. So say I'm one year into a five-year variable. If I'm going to lock in, that bank's not going to let me lock into a one-year or two-year. I'm going to have to lock into a four-year or more because I signed that five-year contract to begin with. So that's so. this is now becoming a strategy thing. Does it make sense for someone that's got three and a half years to go and lock in right away? I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe we ride it out a little bit more. I think a lot of it's, first of all, we're going to have to see the CPI data. That's number one. And if inflation looks like it's getting under control, now we can talk to, you know, clients and really assess their risk to say, hey, do we want to wait? Because here's the, and you bring up the biggest thing is going to be the hardest part of my phone call with the clients. It's going to be this, Dave, if I lock in today, I could save my family money. I could actually like pay for these things that I've been wanting to pay for and having to say to them, yeah, but what if we wait a little bit more? So there's going to be patience, guts, you name it, smarts, whatever it is, a lot of stuff's going to come into play, I think in 2023, assuming the rates do what we hope they do.
But we also have to remember the people that if they are coming out of a five year, those people are the ones that bought in 2018 and potentially 2019. Because most people, not many people were taking that three year. And then if you were in 2020, interest rates were down. So if you fixed for five years, we don't have to have a conversation for the next few years. But speaking of our conversation, we're going to cut this one short because we have to go to a quick break. And by the way, don't forget, if you uh, if you are a first responder, I would love for you to sign up for our up and coming uh, simple seminar webinar for first responders coming up on Thursday, February the 2nd at 7 p.m. Go to thesimpleinvestor.com and uh, look forward to seeing you here. And I look forward to talking to you when we come back. And welcome back. So I can't believe how fast it goes when we are talking. And, you know, when I say talking, I've got my two favorite panelists joining me for the uh, Real Estate Talk Triangle. We do this every single month. Tim Sirianos, broker owner at Remax Ultimate, Dave uh, Butler at BM Select Mortgage Specialist. And uh, guys, you know, it's amazing how fast uh, we, we rip through this show. I almost think that we should start doing a two hour show, <laughs> but uh, I think maybe eventually people are going to get you know tired of our voice. But um, just before the break, Tim, uh, Dave and I were, you know, nattering about uh, interest rates and what we see. And, and you had made some very valid points. You know, are there going to be things, you know, will amortization be allowed to change? Will they turn around, change the stress test? There is, uh, I, 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 I'm going to ask you to, I don't want you to weigh in too politically, but of course, Premier's having it out right now with a few mayors because they've been hitting up um, some of these mayors saying, look, we got to drop some of these development charges, right? We need to build. You know, this is one of the things we all talk at the show here. We need inventory. So the uh, provincial government saying, hey, let's see if some of the municipalities will drop some of the development charges, make it a little bit easier on builders. We got a couple of mayors. Uh, I'm not going to name any of them, but they are kicking up a real fuss saying not on your chance, buddy. What do you think? So here we are. We're in a tough spot. Um, I've said before that the supply problem started in 08 when the mayor of Toronto introduced a double end transfer tax. And uh, we started. It started in 1988, but okay. Okay. So <laughs> I, I said that it started in 08 and, and um, it just grew. You know, if you look at the graphs, you'll see just how supply started to drop at that point, right? And now here we are. You know, I've been a huge advocate for not having the double end transfer tax in the city of Toronto. And a lot of mayors are wanting this double end transfer tax to spread across Ontario and probably across Canada for that matter. But here's an example of what's really going on. We have, you know, the city of Toronto that has to balance the books and they don't have any money to balance it. The sales in Toronto, even though the prices went up, you know, the sales have retreated really back because of interest rates and policy. So now we have, you know, plummeting sales and less income for the city. At the same time, we had a premier who, you know, made away with the stickers on license plates. And I asked myself many times, what if that sticker still remained, but that money, the billions of dollars that were lost were not in any way invested in a different way. For example, lowering the, the land transfer tax on a provincial level and maybe, you know, creating some kind of transfer um, benefit or reward you know, that if you do certain things, you know, just the way the federal government's doing it, why not doing it at the provincial level where if you do certain things and we cooperate with TTC, like, you know, transit, da, 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 we'll give you money that will in turn keep the development charges lower, right? Right, because I mean, Tim, they, they've gone up certain municipalities. 30% in two years, 50%, 600% over the last, you know, it's, it's uh, incredible. you know, 12, 15 years. I mean, this is on to the consumer, the buyers, you know, everybody who's listening to this show has to realize that 
you know, you said earlier, Todd, that the investor is, a, you know, a dirty word, right? Right. But you have to realize that, you know, a big portion of what's happening is development charges. And, you know, we've never stopped having the most cranes in the sky. You know, we've never stopped. The city is growing. This country is growing. Immigration is set to be over half a million. And yet we have these development charges. They have to find money somewhere. And it is political suicide, right? I mean, I understand you have to raise realty taxes. You have to. Like at some point, you have to make the tough decision to say, we have to raise realty taxes. What are you going to do it? I don't know. But, you know, you got to find a different way than giving a, a free sticker on an automobile. You know, that's my just personal opinion. I'm not trying to, to weigh in. Just there's a better way to spend money. Right. But here's the thing. So we got to start thinking of affordability. And when we talk about, and you did bring up, rentals are very, very key. So let's forget about your typical mom and pop real estate investor for a second. You know, and by the way, you're not greedy. You're awesome. Create generational wealth, blah, blah, blah. My usual spiel. Yeah. But let's talk about the necessity for rental properties right now in a area like the GTA. You know, you've got all these government buildings, you've got some of these office towers, you've got, uh, you know, even Toronto community housing, like you've got vacancy in Toronto community housing, like at the highest level ever. And yet it's a structure that all they need to do is renovate. Okay. Like it's not that these are condemned. They just need to get in there with crews, you know, just throw, throw the government away, tell them to fund the private sector, get in there, do the renovations. Your turnover is going to happen a lot quicker than let's say new construction. You take a look at some of the government buildings that are not being utilized. They're being left vacant. Why not convert those? Take a look at some of the commercial towers. And I know everybody gets a little bit up in their arms when I start talking about that, but why, why not take a commercial tower, turn around, put a school, the first bottom two floors, okay, whatever's necessary. You can then, you know, you know, intensify some of the areas of the downtown core that are basically ghost towns at night so this already this happened in the past there's history of office towers converting to residential and i can actually drive by them and give people addresses of where they are and they look fantastic mm -hmm. people actually think they're brand new buildings right. you know and they're not they're actually probably 30 40 years old and in the last 15 years they've been a, a condo instead of being an office tower right so you know we got to go back and and see that these things do work right but it goes back to you know i do like what you're saying you know when it comes to investing and being a partner there's certain times that you want to be a partner in real estate I don't agree with the federal government being a partner in, you know, with your mortgage, but uh, you know, when it comes to, um, you know, partnering up to try to build rental buildings, you know, that will ultimately add more supply instead of, again, I, you know, I drive my car. I, I, I went to the, to the city and I had service Ontario and I asked to renew my plate. I think it was a one year thing. Like, no, it's permanent. And I'm like, wow. Okay. Like that's a billion, <laughs> that's a billion oh, dollars, much, right? So it's a billion dollars that you could have put somewhere else. Right. Right. So. And Dave, you know, Tim makes a good point, you know, where, where government is showing savings, you know, um, I, I think that it wasn't necessary. Like nobody, nobody was actually complaining about the stickers. <laughs> you know, that's the funny thing is when it happened, it's like, what, where did that come in? Like, you know, on, on the list of things, can the government please change? I don't even know if that was in the first 15 items. Imagine the premier coming back on the radio or in front of a microphone saying, ladies and gentlemen, we've thought about this. 
and it was a billion dollar savings. We're going to reintroduce a sticker, not at 120, but at 80. And we're going to take all that money and we're going to reduce the land transfer tax and, and include healthcare or rental buildings or what have you. I mean, I'm telling you, like there's just- That could be a win. I'm a, I'm a head scratcher, you know, on, <laughs> on certain things that government does, but they'll, they'll raise the vacancy tax to 25%, which will have absolutely zero bearing on our market whatsoever. Meanwhile, there's a million and two ways not to pay the 25% because if you're a student, you know, sure. you know, all these different things, you know, it's a political, you know, which I, you know, talking before we go, I have to talk about January and February. Is it possible? You're going to have to go, 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 go. Okay. Really fast. <laughs> My biggest concern for everybody is watch out for January and February media because everything in real estate is going to be compared to January and February yep. of 2022. Oh, yeah. yep. So, you know, I just want to sign off with that. You know, let's be realistic. We started off gangbusters. We've gone out of the gates. Um, you, you know, we got to realize and keep in context. We'll be on the show together, I hope, in 2023. Oh, for sure. Um, but, you know, January, February is going to be comparison months we should not be comparing. Oh, as soon as, as soon as the, in March, when the February stats get published, that's the, you can, you can, the mainstream media will be jumping all over that year over year decrease yeah. in price because yeah. that's, that's the peak right there, right? So, yeah, that'll be interesting uh, to see. But yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, January, February, go away. <laughs> don't stick, don't get, put your phone away. You know, don't don't hang out. Don't go on Twitter. Yeah, no, that, yeah, definitely don't go on Twitter. That's for yeah. sure. The if bears not, lie there. Yeah, if not, you're going to see some of the TikTok videos that are out there with the realtors <laughs> that can't dance. Yeah. Listen, guys, you know, I, I can't thank you enough for being part of this show for the last year. You know, I, I'm thrilled to have you come back next year, providing you want to be. Uh, it's just been an honor, a pleasure um, having you both join me uh, every single month, getting your input. I know that our listeners appreciate the honesty and that's one of the things folks that we try to do here just be upfront you know we're not selling newspapers we're not selling magazines heck we're not even selling stuff you know i mean you can deal with simpleinvestor.com you just go there but uh forget about everything else this show is definitely just to help dispel you know just kind of you know give you the straight goods on some of these headlines and what is going on in the world uh tim sirianos uh a real pleasure dave butler Always fabulous having you both join me. And, uh, you know, that's uh, that's a wrap for this year. I can't believe, you know, every single month we go, I can't believe that a month's gone by. I can't believe a year's gone by. But, you know, I have to tell you, I just want to make sure everybody understands that, you know, here it's a real privilege for us to be able to do the show every single week. And we want to thank everybody for tuning in. And we want to wish you and your family definitely a healthy, safe holiday and an incredible 2023. I do want to thank my producers, uh, Ian and Omar, for keeping it simple for me every single week and making it so important that we get the information out to you as well. I do want to thank you for making us the number one real estate talk show for 2022. And I look forward to bringing it to you in 2023. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk. 1010.